What is going on, brothers of discussion listeners? Here's your host, Fanboy Dave and Big Kev. And this is episode six, and we got a lot to talk about today. But let's jump right into SummerSlam, Fanboy Dave. Kick off the show, they had the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we both picked Bianca Belair to win this one. And she ended up getting the victory. Well, I know we were right that we said the championship match should start it. I mean, Grant, I thought it was going to be the SmackDown. But, I mean, it was the Women's Championship, right? So I'll give us kudos for that. Decent match. You know, big-time Bex coming out. Um, like we had talked about, full circle, Bianca Belair was going to get the win, especially in their hometown. The only thing that really stood out for me as they went back and forth was just at, at the end when Big Time Bex um, basically gave her respect at the end of the match. And I was just like, oh, is she going to hit her? Is she going to hit her? This is another setup. But it looks like Big Time Bex is going to be a face. So this will be interesting to see how where it goes because when you go face, I mean, I guess you could still do the Big, big Time Bex moniker, but I don't think it has as much a luster to it if it's not a heel version of it. Yeah, I really like the sequence towards the end of the match where then obviously Bianca Belair gets the uh, the win via pinfall to retain her title. I thought it was a good match as well uh, to kick it off. Uh, and I think you're right. I was expecting big time Bex to, you know, putting out her hand for a handshake. And I thought she was going to maybe do something to Bianca Belair. This is an opportunity to big time Bex as a face. You just can't shake off the wwe universe they love big time bex so regardless if she's a hill or a face i think she's going to end up be better face i think she does good work as a hill but i think they're going to move her face like you said uh especially because miss bailey came out and well, she i know her, you were excited i, I was excited, excited. boy i was excited uh i like bailey you know she's a very good person obviously you know i you know we talked about i got to meet her in person she came to my place of work, we won't name, but got to meet her, real good person. And of course she was dealing with her injury and, you know, it was right about WrestleMania time and she wasn't going to make the return, but she was been doing some events for the company at the time. And you thought it was going to get closer and closer for her to get back. Um, so this is a good timing to put her back in the spotlight. And so Bailey makes her return and she's keeping the hill, which makes sense of potentially keeping big time Bex back to being a face in this situation, because now Bailey has a faction. She didn't come alone. She did not come alone at all. Dakota Kai comes out. Yeah, that was a very shocker because I was like, she got let go of the company. And then you're like, what? Yeah, you even heard it in the announcers. It's like, she does not, does she even work here? So I was just like, all right, Dakota Kai. But then the <laughs> the next person that came out, which I'm a big fan of, um, Io Shirai. I was just like, finally. Fanboy Dave, did you know that she, they changed her name though? Did you notice that? I saw that later oh. on. Yeah, very interesting with all three of them getting the ring. And then how we talked about uh, Bianca being in the ring and then big time Bex being side by side with her and be like, hey, Bailey, you're back, but you know, you're not going to jump Bianca. Like I have her back now. And I was hoping that I just would have heard the woo and Charlotte, but maybe it's just a little wishful thinking. Cause I'm like, you're going to need a third person if you're going to go against Bailey's faction. So I'm still hoping that Charlotte does come back, but um, I don't know who will be that third person to take on that faction with big time Bex and Bianca. You think Charlotte would turn face for that or just, to be that third person 
maybe just to be that third person. Man, uh, that was a good match to kick it off overall. Uh, the next match, of course, uh, Logan Paul versus The Miz. I don't really think the WWE Universe was invested and involved with this match from the jump. Now, past couple of weeks on Raw, uh, you know, there was some good ha-ha funny moments, you know, teasing about, you know, The Miz's testicular re region. But overall, I don't think the WWE Universe was really thrilled for this match. What say you? I totally agree with you, but like we had discussed it on previous podcasts, there's a lot of people in the WWE universe that do not like The Miz. I mean, he plays this character so well, people do not like him. And then you have people that are non-wrestling fans that follow these uh, social media influencers, and there was a lot of people that do not like the Paul brothers. So that's why I told you, it's like, well, you don't like Logan Paul. You don't like The Miz. Who do you cheer for? You wish somebody would just beat both of them up. You know, like whenever um, we go back to WrestleMania and you had the Mysterios against Logan Paul and the Miz, everybody wanted the Mysterios to kick their butts. But now you have Miz and Logan and Paul and it's like, well, do you go for the WWE guy who's, this is what he does, this is his living? Or do you do, uh, which Logan Paul, I mean, I've been impressed with him. Again, I'm not a, a fan of his, but his ring work looked great. Um, I think he he patted himself a little bit on the shoulder, a little bit his ego, saying like, "Look what I did," and yeah, uh, it was it was an okay match. But I mean, I was wrong. I thought the Miz was gonna win, like we talked about last week. But like you had said, with these um, um, celebrities coming in, a lot of times they are gonna get the dub. The match was it was it was okay for for someone coming in um, second match into the WWE. I, I, I give Logan Paul, you know, praises. Yeah, fanboy Dave, I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum. I thought this was a huge success match. I think Logan Paul, based on his inexperience, he did very well. And, of course, The Miz is just fun to watch, and he can he can go with the flow. I thought the Logan Paul match as a whole, him getting the victory, the 1-2-3 over The Miz, you know, putting Miz in his finisher and getting the win was, uh, was big for Logan Paul. Now, I don't know where they're going to go with this. I, again, thought Miz was going to win, going to upset Logan Paul. You know, just because there's so much, like you said, so many haters on Logan Paul, this could elevate Miz, you know, to newer heights where people could appreciate, oh, yeah, good, the Miz shut him up. And then all of a sudden they think Miz is turning face, and then next, you know, the next night on Raw, he can, you know, he can screw the fans, basically. He can, you know, you know, hey, I'm not your friend and don't share me, yada, yada. I don't know what you could have done with that. But Logan Paul had one of the best moves of the night. And uh, when he went off the top rope and landed on the Miz with that frog splash. On the announcer give, table. On the announcer table, I'm sorry. And you got to give credit where credit's due. He has some athletic ability for sure. And uh, I thought it was very entertaining match. I'm going to go, I, I praise it just a little higher than you, it sounds like, but uh I think you're right. It 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 definitely was a, a good match based on Logan Paul's uh, inexperience. So you gave him kudos and gave him props for that, and I do as well. The next match was the United States Championship match: Bobby Lashley versus Theory. The Almighty. The Almighty. And you tell me and remind me week in and week out when I say Bobby Lashley, you remind me it's the Almighty Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley defeating Theory for the pin to retain the title. Well, first I was wrong because I did say Theory was going to win. He did it. Uh, but you could hear in the they were getting behind him. They were doing the yay, boo, yay, boo. And then you had the fans of the WWE Universe started going, Bobby, Bobby. So I think they were pretty much 
invested in this match. You have to give it to Bobby. I mean, he's just a workhorse. Uh, you can put him with anybody. And um, man, that man's just a strong, powerful um, WWE superstar. Bobby getting the win, but Theory was smart to tap out as quick as he did because like, nope, I can't get hurt because I, I want to cash in my money in the bank contract that he's been saying for weeks and weeks that he was going to do. So the eyes were on the prize, no doubt. He was looking for that WWE Universal Undisputed Championship, which we'll talk about later. He does come down to the ringside. We'll talk about that later. But the almighty Bobby Lashley is just so believable. It's 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 not believable that Theory could beat Bobby just based on presence and physicality and his stature one match that was not on top for me and to be honest i lost a lot of interest in was the next match judgment day versus the mysterios the mysterios did get the victory over the judgment day but not without the help of a returning edge but i wanted to get your uh perspective on the match itself but then also edge returning i mean the match was a decent match and i think we had talked about you know, it was kind of stand, uh, stagnant with the Judgment Day, but having Rhea Ripley back definitely helped because as soon as she came back, you saw what she did to the Mysterios on Raw. Edge coming back, I mean, saw the vignettes and pretty much everybody knew it was Edge. I was disappointed because he came back by himself. I mean, yeah, he came back like a brood style, but I was still hoping to see Bray Wyatt. And I think me having the expectation that Edge wasn't coming alone, I guess, um, didn't do me anything to be like, yeah, this was awesome. But it was just like Edge came by himself. So, yeah, it, it was all right. Uh, I really thought they could have done a lot more with that. I felt like it was not executed well. I'm happy to see him back. Don't get me wrong. Just thought it could have been much better uh, with a talent like Edge. Uh, the next match was uh, Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. I, I thought Corbin was going to get this win, as we discussed last week. Um, out of the two non-typical wrestlers week in and week out, I thought Logan Paul outperformed Pat McAfee. Logan but Paul no was means, a five-pack man. What is wrong with you? But you by no means. Up? Hey, so I thought out of the non-wrestlers, I thought Logan Paul showed out. However, Pat McAfee has the crowd, those relationships and the connection that you build with the WWE universe. And Pat McAfee has his fingers all over the WWE universe. I thought it was entertaining. It was a fun match, but as you know, uh, you know, happy Corbin did get the uh, big L as Pat McAfee defeats happy Corbin at SummerSlam 2022. I think you just like that. Pat McAfee came out with the Tennessee Titan cheerleaders. I think that's why you're like, he has his fingers all over it, <laughs> but no coming out. I mean, I thought it was just a cheap um, reenactment when he came out with the Dallas Cowboys Chillers at WrestleMania. So hopefully that that's not a thing where whatever city they're in that he comes out with the cheerleaders, if it's like a, an NFL uh, stadium, the match was okay. A uh, couple of miss uh, blotches um, whenever Pat McAfee almost fell off the top rope, he had to catch his balance. And then when he did the tequila sunrise, he barely got that second leg on him to flip him. So it wasn't clean. Uh, the match, subpar, um, as work that um, uh, that I thought Corbin and Pat McAfee could have done together. It, it was a little sloppy for me. Yeah, I just thought we saw that match at WrestleMania. It was, you know, just plug theory in there instead of happy Corbin. He misexecuted the ring to the top rope, if you will, jumping on. Uh, we've seen that. I was hoping to see a little something different. 
that move at the end, I think he stole that move from Adam Cole, baby. You know, just throwing it out there. But no, well, I'm not hating well, on They don't like each other in real life, but Pat McAfee shouldn't be proud of trying to execute that move because it was horrible. Oh, man. <clears throat> well, hey, you know what, fanboy Dave? Let's take a quick break, and we'll get on the back half of SummerSlam 2002 here on Brothers of Discussion. And we're back on Brothers of Discussion. And Fanboy Dave, I just want to make sure we're watching the same event because if I do recall, as I was holding my tongue when you were speaking to Pat McAfee's entrance, the Tennessee Titan cheerleaders did not come out with Pat McAfee. You're tripping. Were you drunk or something, buddy? Because what I saw was when the Street Profits came out, the Tennessee Titans opened up. Oh, my God, you are right. I'm sorry. I just figured look, I see cheerleaders, Pat McAfee. You are totally right, and I'm going a, I'm a to be like um, bum-ass Corbin. I'll take the L. That was my fault. You are totally correct, McKim. Now, I know you were probably mesmerized with the choir that was singing for Pat McAfee at the beginning. It definitely was no Tennessee Titan uh, cheerleaders, although I will say this. When they were doing that, I was thinking no cheerleaders can – hold a candle to the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I'll just you're say. You're a homer. You're a Cowboy fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, of course. Uh, but speaking of that match, that was the next match, Fanboy Dave. And we had high hopes for this one as it was going to be the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship with the Usos and the Street Profits. This was going to be the Money in the Bank rematch for the title with special guest referee. Okay, Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-double-F. J A double R E double T Jeff Jarrett. Ha ha. Ain't I great? Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, he is. And I thought he did a good job. As you hear from Michael Cole and Corey Graves, they give him props and kudos out through the night saying, hey, he's doing a heck of a job. Uh, too bad they don't do that with other officials. You know, obviously they want to make sure that they know that this guy is a special ref. He is a WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, and again, he does a great job for being holding it down the middle. He's calling it down the middle. And, you know, typically you get wrestlers, sports entertainers to be guest referees, and they do okay. I thought he was actually probably one of the better, if not the best, guest referee that was a wrestler uh, I've seen. Uh, I guess that's how I enjoyed it. However, I didn't enjoy the match as much. I, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. My expectations just weren't met on it. I think we just saw too much. And that's just the guilt that we face as WWE Universe fans is, we're always looking for something a little better, a little better, a little better. The match was good. Uh, the Usos, we as as uh, we did not predict, I thought it was going to be the Street Profits, and I believe you said the same. Uh, the Usos retained the title. I thought it was going to be the demise of the bloodline, but it didn't happen. Uh, the Usos got the win. Jeff Jarrett did the one, two, three, a clean finish. Uh, Usos get the win. Yeah. I think you were right as far as like the way, the hype, the energy we had from Money in the Bank. And you and I thought that it was just going to carry over. I was a little disappointed in that match. It, it didn't read our expectations like you stated, you know, as being WWE Universe fans, being like, oh, man, this one's going to steal the show. I, I mean, I said it last week. This match was going to be the show stealer of, of the live premiere pay-per-view. And it wasn't. Um, I do like the little seeds, unless I'm I'm looking at things a little differently than what they're trying to portray. But it looked like with Montez and Dawkins in the ring, just 
sitting there after the match. Looked like Ford was upset. And it could be like, could he turn? Is he going to say that Dawkins is holding them back? Um, are the tre- uh, Street Profits done? So it's going to be intriguing moving forward um, with this storyline to see how they go with them. Because now the bloodline, the Usos can say, hey, back of the line. We already proven we beat you numerous of times. Yeah, I agree with you, Fanboy Dave. I feel like that is definitely on the horizon. I think Montez is going to look at Dawkins and say, hey, I think it's time to go our separate ways. We need to split up. I'm frustrated. You can definitely see the frustration on his face, his expressions all through the night on every pinfall. Next, we get Riddle jumping over the barricade, and he calls out Seth Rollins. He says, hey, look, I'm not worried about being injured. Uh, They didn't clear me. And Rollins comes down. The officials, you know, are holding him back. They don't want Riddle engaged in any physical activity. Riddle is going to uh, probably regret calling Seth Rollins down as Rollins hits the stomp on Riddle's face to the mat. Yeah, did you see when he jumped? It looked like um, Michael Cole played up like, who was that? And it looked like security was ready to tackle Riddle because they didn't know who it was jumping the barricade. And so, yeah. I don't know what they're doing with this. I was hoping Seth Rollins would get a match. You know, there was rumors that people said maybe uh, Johnny Wrestling. Then I heard that Dolph Ziggler, and I was like, um, I don't want to see Dolph Ziggler and Seth because then it wouldn't make any sense because still have the whole theory thing. So I was just glad that this was a little filler to do that. Um, Seth gets the stomp, and now we have to wait till Monday Night Raw to see where they go with this. Yeah, and it looks like Riddle could be sidelined for a minute. Um, Is this an opportunity for Orton to come back and defend his friend? We'll have to see as Monday Night Raw kicks off tomorrow night. One of the uh, matches that I didn't think that was going to be great, but I was was looking forward to in a sense, and I got it, was the Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey match. And I know you're high on her. I still feel like she's transitional. It's not believable that she could beat Ronda Rousey. And sure enough, the finish, it was a way to escape with Liv reclaiming the title. It allowed Ronda to potentially turn Hill as Ronda's shoulders were down on the mat as Ronda was putting Liv in a submission move. And it was very clear as day, of course, as they showed on instant replay. But even live, you can see Liv tapping out, but the referee could not see it as his eyes were glued to Ronda's shoulders on the mat. And it was a one, two, three. Liv Morgan gets the win and retains her title over Ronda Rousey. Yeah, um, decent match because it showed Ronda Rousey was basically saying I'm on another level. And she was ragdolling uh, Liv. Um, So to make it believable, like, hey, like I should be the champ. Yeah, you got me money in the bank after a match. I was injured. But with me and you going head-to-head, me knowing who my opponent is. I mean, I should wipe the floor with you. And I was watching it with my dad, and um, he even called me out. He goes, I said, Liv beat her? I said, yeah. He's like, you didn't see her tapping? I said, no. I was like, looking at the shoulders, just like you had said. So I missed her tapping, and but it clearly shows that she tapped when the referee's hand came down at two. So then that would have been the end of the match, and you have a new champion. But like I had told you, so you, you weren't invested and it looked like I'm doing the booking for this, that I want Rhonda to be the vicious, baddest woman on the planet. She needs to lose and snap 
And that's pretty much what happened at the end of the match that Ronda was like, enough of this. Like she knew she won that match and she, I mean, she even uh, did the arm bar to the ref. So now she's coming out like, I'm going to do this my way. And if you get in my way, man or woman, it doesn't matter. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you. And I don't care if I get fined. I completely agree with you. And, and you know how I feel about Rhonda. We talked about this about a month ago, sitting in Austin at the SmackDown show. And I correlated her to a aggressive Kurt Angle in the ECW era. And that's what I was wanting to see. And luckily we got that. And then if you notice the other officials coming down to the ringside, they didn't want to get in the ring. They didn't want to have anything to do with Rhonda because she can be intimidating. Devari didn't even want to get in there. Yeah, he, he was a wrestler. Like, get out Rhonda. You know what? Kudos to Ronda because she protected Liv as a champion. Uh, like you said, uh, they actually had a wrestling match, and it wasn't just like a, you know, the perception is on paper Ronda should just you know beat her fairly quickly. Like you said, mop the floor with her. She she yeah, mop the floor with her. And she, but you know what? Ronda protected the champion, so that was good for her. Uh, it shows another side to her. But now we get to hopefully see a really true side of ronda rousey and she can be the beast that she is um up next uh after that we we do see a little brief capture of the new number one contender that we found out on friday night smackdown and that is drew mcintyre he comes out and basically again says i don't care if it's brock lesnar i don't care if it's the travel chief roman reigns when we have this pay-per-view next month i'm coming and I September want my 3rd. September 3rd. That's when the pay-per-view is. Yeah, it's Labor Day weekend, and it's going to be at the castle uh, overseas. And I think uh, – and, and we're going to get into it because it's going to be the next match. I don't want to jump the gun too much, but I think the uh, – obviously the storyline has moved on from Roman and Brock. Uh, it was built up to be the last match of that series. Of course, never say never, but they're definitely moving on and – and, and it looks like Drew McIntyre is going to be the next roadblock for Roman Reigns match. And that's what we're going to next. I just had this gut feeling that Brock was going to come down the aisle differently than all the superstars uh, in the WWE. I thought it was going to be cool if he had like this black big horse and he's right. Cause he's got the cowboy hat. He's kind of doing that deal. So that's what I thought, but no, the country boy comes down on a tractor. What yes, would you did. think of that? I was the tractor, I was just like, well, Brock is showing everybody he's really country. I was a little concerned about the tractor going down the aisle. Um, what if that thing gets stuck? I was thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, man, Brock has some skill driving that tractor because you're right. It's a loud stadium. Everyone's excited. And, you know, it takes one slight turn of that wheel and he's running into the barricade and running over people. But he manages it to get down to ringside. It's fun. You know, Brock's having a lot of fun right now. He uh, stops the announcer. He announces himself. While he's standing on the tractor. While he's standing on the front loader of the tractor. And then he just tosses the mic to Roman. And I don't know if you saw it, but Roman is so – I don't know if you caught that, but it was so smooth. Go back, guys. Go back, listeners, and watch how – Roman catches the mic from Brock as Brock throws it at him. This match was, to me, it made our premium live event. This match, it was fun. It was a no disqualification. It was a last man standing match. 
Of course, we see the Usos later get involved. We see Theory coming down. And I don't want to like overshadow that. We'll talk about that. Uh, but the biggest thing that sticks out to me, obviously, in everyone's mind, well, two things, but one of the biggest things was when Brock got on the tractor and lifted up the ring. Uh, it creates this destruction, this environment that it looks like total chaos is going on, and that's never been seen. We've seen the ring break, right? We've seen that happen with Mark Henry in The Big Show. We've seen that with Brock in The Big Show when they get superplexed off the top rope and the ring uh, collapses. But never have I ever seen the ring in this where it's lifted in the air. It was like, what, 90-degree lift or some 45-degree angle? And it was fun to see Roman. Roman's on the top turnbuckle and he's flopping and doing the, uh, you know, the fire drill roll as he exits the ring on the opposite low end of the side of the ring. It was just a fun moment, something that's super memorable. Um, that That's what really elevated my emotions there because it was just exciting to see. Fanboy Dave, could you imagine if you're the fans on that ring post that now they looked at the ring and you can't see anything going on on the other side? I would be pissed. My thought. That was my thought to be like, now nah, I got to look at the t- the Tron to see what's going on because Brock Lesnar just obstructed my view from the main event. And the other part I took away, and I texted you that was fun, is when Brock freaking Lesnar gives Paul Heyman the F5 on the table. And normally you don't see Paul Heyman get involved in a physicality. He's not Bobby the Brain Heaton back in the day. But he takes one for the team and takes one for the cause, and he gets put through the table with the F5 with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, it lived up to the hype. A couple of things that were highlights for me is, you know, uh, Roman Reigns spearing him or whatever, then putting him to two tables and the outside and then Brock, you know, coming back, you know, doing that. And then getting that piece of that table, I was thinking to myself, like, they need to move those tables because they were just laying there. And then he grabs like that piece of that table and just freaking just throws it at Roman like hard. And I'm like, oh my God, someone's going to get hurt. And then Roman's back was bleeding from, you know, the tables. But one thing that um, I'll take away from this match is like, uh, they... There, there'll never be another Brock Lesnar. I mean, this dude was getting hit with everything. You know, the Usos coming out, and then you know, Theory and things coming out, which we could talk about in a minute. But I got excited when Theory was coming out because I thought it was going to happen. But Brock t- took a beating, and he was still getting up. I mean, we'll talk about the end of the match and how they they ended it. But you're just like, oh my God, Brock's getting up. There were some questionable calls when Roman was getting up. I don't, I don't know one of them. If you can count the rope, the ropes barely holding him up in the second second rope, is counting that as being on his feet. I thought it was entertaining. I told you before the match, hey, watch that front loader is going to come into play, and he puts Roman in that front loader and he dumps him over the rope. Uh, visually, it didn't look as good as it, they would probably hope for. I was telling you, I was hoping that maybe Brock was going to put him in there and then turn the front loader over where Roman can't get to his feet. He's just stuck inside that front loader. That would have been, you know, using your head a little bit for creative uh, purposes Um, because obviously uh, that man is not going to be able to lift the front loader up that machinery. However, it is the tribal chief. So you never know, but uh, yeah, Usos come down. 
They uh, attack Brock. Obviously, they get the three-on-one advantage there. I was disappointed that Sami Zayn was not a part of the show. But like you said, Theory comes down. He wants to cash it in. Brock puts into that very quickly oh, as the sure. re referee backs up. And uh, so Theory does not cash it in, folks. He does not cash it in at well, all. Yeah, before before Brock takes Theory out, I mean, you know, because after you said the Usos did come out, they super kicked Lesnar, so he's out on the right side of the ring. And, after, well, after Lesnar gets him out, and then Theory comes out, and he starts beating the heck out of Roman Reigns with uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then he's ready to cash in, hands it to the ref, and then Brock picks him up quicker than a hiccup and F5s him, and the ref runs away, so... Theory is still the money in the bank holder. Um, and he did not cash in last night. You know, Theory is going to hold on and retain this uh, money in the bank briefcase for a minute. I don't think I can see him doing that in the near future. I think they're going to save it now, especially as Drew McIntyre gets into the fold. And we're still left questionable of what's going on with Theory and Dolph Ziggler. Is that going to be something? So, uh, yeah, the way they ended it, basically, you know, um, getting Brock Lesnar on the floor and then start covering them with any kind of furniture that wasn't nailed down to the floor. And then Roman standing on top of it, um, you know, the announce table, uh, the stairs and you know Roman Reigns gets the dub, but I mean, you could tell Roman knew he was in a fight. Yeah. What do you think the WWE does with Brock Lesnar? I think this is uh, I wouldn't say right off in the sunset, they're definitely done with the Roman and Brock. One would think they're done with that because that was the whole buildup, right? It's this last man standing. Um, you got to move on now. Uh, is Brock taking time off? I don't know if you saw on social media, but, you know, Brock gets in the ring at the end of uh, the event when the cameras go off and he is, you know, getting his cowboy hat and he's saluting the WWE Universe and he's just kind of sitting there on top of the uh, – ring post that's high in the air that the tractor had lifted up and uh he's just sitting there and i think he's really um really soaking it in it just feels like we could see we might not see brock for a while yeah i think he's gonna go back to um back to canada was this saskatchewan and you know be with the family hang out uh he may come back maybe around wrestlemania again so take um off until April or maybe March and then come back and put him in a feud with somebody. I still would uh, yeah. like to see, and I didn't mean to cut you off in boy Dave. I still would like to see the almighty Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar in the ring. And that would be a big match for mania. We'll have to see what that, if that ever, you know, comes to fruition. I don't know if it does. I would still like to see that just because they have similar build and uh, that would be entertaining for me. But so after SummerSlam, What's that one thing you're looking forward to come Monday night or Friday night SmackDown? Well, um, as of today, 700 days, the the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns is your universal champion. So I know they'll bring that up 700 plus um, by tomorrow. Start that program with him. I'm interested to see who's next as a tag team because I there's not a tag team that sticks out to me that can challenge the Usos. I mean, I guess you could say the Viking Raiders, but they're involved with the New Day. And I don't want to see the New Day and, and the Usos again. So I want to see where the tag team division goes that's going to step up and be like, uh, where do I, could it be the Alpha Academy? Thank you! 
you know, so I don't know. Hey, that's a good um, point there. I, I never thought about that. And I guess I haven't put much thought to it because you're right. It is lacking uh, in the tag team division. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to discuss Triple H. And we are back on Brothers of Discussion. And Fanboy Dave, we have someone brand new at the helm of creative control in the WWE. This man has been through a lot of different storylines. He has a lot of experience. What is your thoughts and what is your impressions of Triple H taking over as head of creative? Triple H taking over, a very smart move. Uh, he loves his business. And I think he gets it because we had talked about, you know, previously, Vince McMahon is in love with the uh, larger than life character, superhero, the big bill guy, 6'5", 280. And yes, we need those characters, larger than life characters, but that's all Vince I crave for. And Triple H, being a wrestler for so long, can see that it doesn't always take the big guy to be a fan favorite or for someone to get behind. Case in point, um, you can look at it even way before he came into WWE, one of the biggest and probably the biggest um, Mexican superstars of all time and maybe will be forever is Rey Mysterio. He's not big at all, but people adore him, fans love him, people get behind him. You can get behind the underdog story with him because he's not that big, but he's beloved and he sells merch. And at the at the end of the day, Triple H understands that. So he's more, I think, willing to to find somebody that um, he can use, whether whatever size they are. If you got something, if you can sell, or if you got that it factor, like we we could we can do business and draw money. Yeah, no doubt. And over the weekend, Triple H comes out and claims that he is a hundred percent healthy now. He's going to be moving forward. They had a tryout. They're in Nashville, and uh, him and Paul Heyman were heading that up. Reports say it was a disaster, though. A lot of people were getting injured. There were concussion with, you know, the people were trying out. And one of the names that was highlighted was the NBA player Dwight Howard. Did you see this, Fanboy Day? Yeah, I saw his, I saw his promo. Uh, he needs some work. No doubt. He definitely needs some work. Uh, do you see Dwight Howard stepping in a WWE ring? Do you think that fame of being an NBA player has passed? Do you think people are interested if this, you know, comes, anything develops out of this? Uh, no. I think it would just be like a one-off match, like with back in the day of WCW when you had um, DDP and Carl Malone against Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman. Man, and you yeah, sure know your hey, you sure know your WCW history. Well, who, <laughs> who wasn't talking about that? Every sports outlet was talking about that. So you know I'm WWE through and through, but yeah, I mean it was I mean it was okay. He would I I mean if he does it after retiring, yes, because it's gonna take a lot of work. But him on the mic, I mean, yeah, I'll give him credit. He I, he's not a needle pusher, like you know. Roman Reigns shirt says, could he, could it change? Possibly, you know, some people say he doesn't work on his game. So what's going to make him work in the ring to get better, to be a WWE performer, if he can't even make any free throws, but I'm not trying to throw shade at him, but I just don't see him putting in the hard work to be successful WWE superstar. 
No doubt. One thing that has changed is Naomi and Sasha Banks' heart. Uh, all of a sudden, there's some rumors and innuendo that they are speaking with the company now that Mr. McMahon is not head of WWE. It is now Steph's and, and Triple H's kingdom. And we talked about this, or you did. You brought it up about the lack of tag team division with the the, the boys, the male side, um, but also could be said for the, the female side. There's like no tag team right now. Uh, and that's why those belts have not been defended or put back onto somebody or a tournament or something because there's no teams. Yeah, I heard about Sasha possibly coming back, and I'm like, oh, brother. Yeah, Sasha, because, you know, we had talked about she's charging 30K for uh, signing a picture to be at whatever, and, I mean, I wouldn't pay for that. Sasha comes back. I mean, I'm not going to be excited about it. Uh, Naomi, yeah, a little bit, but I would only be excited if they put her in the bloodline. You know, bring that out that, you know, she is married to one of the Usos. Um, that would intrigue me, but Sasha coming back mm, doesn't do nothing for me. Yeah, so I'm thinking, I think with Stephanie and Triple H, and maybe more so Triple H, I think he's not as narrow-minded when it comes to being more open. I think Vince McMahon is open to a short extent. But the reason why I'm bringing this conversation up and bring about is, do you think it leads to doors being open for CM Punk's of the world? to come back into the WWE universe. I don't know if you saw the interview. I probably should have sent it to you. Uh, but BT At Comic-Con? Sport, no, BT Sports. Um, okay. and it was, I think it was yesterday. It was about a 10-minute video, oh. and they were talking about Triple H, where you had stated, Not, I don't know if you got this information from that BT um, interview, but he did say, you know, clean uh, bill of health. Um, he's okay with being retired. But what he did reiterate, and he reiterated it like four times, like, he's like, yes, I'm in these shoes. He goes, but I can't fill these shoes. So, you know, just admitting that, you know, Vince did a lot for the company, but he wants to take it to newer heights. But I think that's going to make him successful and to show um, uh, Tony Khan, which I'm going to tell this thing that I sent you last night, which pissed me off about Mr. Tony Khan, um, is that... Um, he said he wants to be transparent, the Triple H, that he's not, like you said, not going to be narrow mind. If if it's from a superstar, if it's someone like Paul Heyman and Stephanie McMahon, anybody that works in the WWE, if basically almost having like an open door, like, hey, you're in the field, you see what's going on, how can we better this product? Like, I have an open door of, of you know, like almost being like a CEO, come to me, let's talk to me. Because the only way we're going to make this product better for our fans and and make it to greater heights is together. Like he talked about a lot, like he's one man, but to be more successful and take WWE to heights has never been before. It's going to be a collective team, a good, strong team. And I think that's what re uh, resonates with a lot of people in the WWE and people that are not in the WWE that signed with AEW because there's rumors that said if the people knew that Triple H was about to be head of control, they probably wouldn't have signed their contracts. Because even Tony Khan had said that Adam Cole, I think, is um, inked up to 2027, and so is, um, what's Claudio Cesaro? Yeah, He's they got five-year contracts there. And I did catch that interview. You're right. Um, 
it sounds like Triple H has a more open door, a little bit more, uh, you know, getting the, the stakeholders say. I think at the end of the day, though, he needs to make sure he distinguishes himself of making decisions, though. Uh, that's why Vince was so great, because, you know, you have one person to look at, they make a decision. Great to get input. Don't get me wrong. And I, I have that type of style in, in, in management as well. But at the end of the day, he's got to make those decisions. And so that said, like you are saying there, I feel like he's going to be more open to that. Um, now, will we see if the bidden door mentality like the other company on the other show does uh, with New Japan and, and Ring of Honor? We'll have to see. I think we could potentially see that down the road. Uh, with that said, Fanboy Dave, people were disappointed with the Raw last week once the news dropped that Triple H was going to be the head of uh, creative control. They were a little disappointed. They thought they were just going to see a on and off switch immediately. Um, what what what's your thoughts or what would you say to those people that were um, disappointed? Well, they shouldn't be disappointed because when any time, when any time um, a manager or or somebody new comes in power, it's not overnight. Like. Um, he needs to see, and yes, Triple H has been there for a while, but I think he is uh, reading the room, seeing how it is, and be like, okay, this is where I interject myself. Hey, we're going to do this this way. And it's going to take some time. It's just not going to happen, you know, um, overnight. So I would say be patient. Um, I, I mean, I've always liked the product. I mean, yes, there are things that can be better, but be patient and you're going to see the fruits, you know, it's just like, um, you know, if you're a farmer, okay, you put the plant in, it's not just going to grow. It takes time. Yeah, no doubt. And I really felt like that was a um, hard spot for him because you're one week away from SummerSlam. You don't want to change things. Go ahead and write it out. And I feel like tomorrow on August 1st, we're going to start seeing a little bit more of a drastic change. And I could be well, wrong, but we'll, we'll see a little bit of change. No, go we ahead. Did see a little bit of it with you know debuts, Bailey coming back, two more superstars. So that that was different because we know that events was still in power last night with her coming out with that faction wouldn't happen. So that's changed right there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there was reports about McMahon shutting that faction idea down with Bailey. So yeah, you're right. I mean, you're definitely seeing some little bit more openness and uh, you know maybe getting the talents buy in. I think that's going to be important. Get the talent buy-in and the product's going to be better because they're obviously the stakeholders are going to feel like they have a say of their characters too again at the end of the day they got to make those decisions i think it's going to only get better i think they're going to open up the creative on the programs monday night raw and friday night smackdown well i think i hope triple h has the thing that i talked about with tony khan saying as soon as vince mcmahon said he was retiring i hope he has his that bulletin material because tony khan had said thank to you wrestling fans and your great support of AEW, I'm grateful to now be the longest tendered CEO in pro wrestling. That was a dig, I think. I mean, yes, is it true? I don't know, because some people would be like, wait a minute, the guy from Smashing Pumpkins, doesn't he own NWA? So wouldn't he be the longest tender CEO and Tony Khan wouldn't? I mean, I don't know. That just got under my skin. He could have just been like, hey, congratulations, Vince, or whatever. But I think, you know, Triple H, if he would, would use that, say like, all right, okay, Mr. Mr. Tony Khan, you, you're ready. I'm, I'm about to, you're about to see an exodus of jumps with some of these, um, like MJF, 
maybe that guy warlord i think that's his name the big dude yeah um, warlord. I, I i see i see some aw people jumping to wwe now that triple h is head of control of creative yeah can you imagine you're adam cole or you know somebody of the like and you're about to sign your contract and you just sign it for five years and all of a sudden triple h the next week is in creative control Oh man, that's got to be heartbreaking. And you're right, Billy Corgan with the NWA, the Smashing Pumpkins, owns uh, NWA, and so he needs to be fact checked there. Hey, A yeah. and E tonight. Are you looking forward to uh, the season two fourth episode of A and E over Kurt Angle? Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Yeah, I'm excited about this one for sure. No doubt, guys. If you head over to AnetV.com, it's AnetV.com, click on the shows and go to WWE Legends. They have right now all the episodes available for free. You don't even have to have a subscription to a cable program. In fact, I was uh, re-highlighting and watching back over the Bellas of last week, um, which was a good documentary. I felt uh, it was. I was entertained by it. There was a lot of dark stuff fanboy dave did you get a chance to take a look at that uh no i watched a little bit of the uh bella twins i wasn't gonna watch it but my dad was watching it so i caught like maybe the last 30 minutes it was okay but um yeah i'm really looking forward to tonight um and um with the whole bella thing i was surprised that you were right they did talk about john cena so i was like okay so not one of mine that's rememberable i'm like okay i watched it let's watch this one like i'm excited i'm happy you know the three eyes integrity intelligence what am i I'm missing intensity, yeah and that's what he did i mean he had intensity uh towards the end of his wwe run when he was specifically the ecw champion in ecw when they were trying to re-emerge that program that's the kurt angle i really enjoyed because it was so believable like he is a true badass he is a Olympic gold medalist. Like, how could you even compete with him in a ring when you have so much skill and he has so much intensity? Man, it just reminds me of Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle. Those guys had some unbelievable matches. They were so intense. And I'm looking forward to the Kurt Angle story. I didn't like him so much when he first came in because, you know, he was just like Jubilee and just all, I'm, you know, Kurt Angle, the golden, you know, Olympic. He won. He won a freaking gold medal with a broken freaking neck. You're right. He did, and uh, and so he he's going to be uh, remembered as one of the all time greats. He could do it in the ring, and he could be entertaining outside the ring, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Kurt Angle could go. Um, I definitely know they're going to talk about the infamous Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle off air in the ring in front of all the boys wrestling. And I hope they bring it up. I hope he brings in just a little bit, tidmore bit of information we haven't heard on that event. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a big, I'm a big Kurt Angle fan. As you know, when we went to Mania 2015 in Dallas, uh, we got to meet him and I got an autograph signed by him, got to chop it up with him for a minute. I just think he is, you know, when you bring in the athletic world into the wrestling professional WWE world, it's a good mix for me to be a fan of somebody. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think it's going to be real good. They'll probably talk about the King of the Ring where he throws Shane McMahon through uh, the glass one, but it was the wrong one, so he had to do it twice. Yeah, it didn't break. So, and, and Shane had a bad concussion on that, and he ended up throwing him through it 
uh, eventually. And then he took another one. He threw him through another uh, glass there. Uh, what, what, is that one of your favorite Kurt Angle moments? Or Yeah, but my favorite is whenever he did the John Cena rap. I mean, I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Give Kurt Angle some props. He could rap. Hey, man, I'm surprised you didn't bring up I'm just a sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt. That was funny, too, but there's only there's only one sexy one. <laughs> uh, and how could you forget the little cowboy, you know, five-year-old hat that Stone Cold and, you know, presents him in the back and he's, you know, playing on that little guitar and just having fun. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Yeah, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Another uh, one that pops in my head is, you know, he's got the milk truck. You know, he's, he's, he's playing, it's the parody off of the beer truck with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's got the milk. So many memorable events, but the guy could go. He's a legitimate wrestler. Where do you, where do you stack? Uh, and we don't really have these conversations, but I'm just going to throw this question out there. Where do you stack Kurt Angle in the, I guess, in the sense of, uh, of an all-time great? Is he, is he make top 10 list for you is you know where does he does he stay is he one of them for sure or what, what's your thought i say top 15 but if we're going if we're going uh pure athlete then top 10 for sure but if we're just going like you know the whole package and everything i would say top 15 yeah no doubt he's definitely one of the all-time greats um he had a great run with the company uh, you know, he obviously went to another organization and he had a heck of a career there, too. Uh, he had some great matches with AJ Styles and TNA. Yeah, and I think, you have, before we get out of here, I think you should tell um, the listeners, um, we do have some new social media that put on as far as TikTok and some other things and how they can reach us or tell us something. So go ahead and give them that info. Yeah, so Fanboy Dave, uh, you guys are on TikTok. Just look us up, and this is going to be all in one word. It's Brothers of Discussion. It's at Brothers of Discussion on TikTok. And, of course, you can hit us up at Fanboy underscore Dave. That's going to be our Brothers of Discussion Twitter page. Again, it's at Fanboy. Uh, that's capital F-A-N-B-O-Y underscore Dave, and that's D-A-V-E uh, is what you can hit us up on Twitter. This is uh, Big Kev and Fanboy Dave on Brothers of Discussion. We want to wish you a great week, and we will catch you down the road. See ya!